Thank you, church family. I hope we'll always be a praying people. And uh, boy, I tell you what, it's, um, it's much easier to pay than it is to pray. People are willing to organize. Are you and I willing to agonize in prayer for those who need prayer, interceding for others? I want to encourage you. Ask God to make you a praying Christian. Very interesting. The Bible says, and when they heard Jesus pray, Luke chapter 11, one of the disciples saith unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Not all of them. One. I wonder if I would have been the one. If you had been the one. I contend that probably about one in 12 pastors are interested in prayer. I contend that probably one out of 12 Christians are interested in any kind of prayer. Most of us, instead of praying, we're playing. We're just going into motions, glad to have a church service, glad to be a part of a church. God's doing something occasionally, rejoice. But are we interested in prayer? It's a good question. And I just, I'm, 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 com- I'm convicted about that. One of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just one. And they knew there was something about prayer. Jesus prayed. If anyone, goodness, I would think anyone had a pass on prayer, it would have been Jesus, right? The Bible says, rising a great while before his day, he went to a solitary place and there prayed. Abraham, the friend of God, he went to the place where he stood before the Lord. Well, I tell you, friends, I think... Every special thing that ever happens in the life of a Christian is going to go back to a prayer time. It's going to go back to a season of prayer, a a, a petition. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's in your truck. Maybe it's doing the dishes. Maybe it's kneeling at your kitchen table. Maybe it's getting the family around and just praying. Oh, how we need to pray. We're so prone. We've got to have noise. We need to have noise. We need to have something on. Something to, something to music someplace. And even if it's good music, some, by the way, if it's questionable music, quit. Why in the world are you going to put stuff in your ears that's not going to help you spiritually? I don't care how much you think you like it. It's hurting your prayer life. It's hurting your walk with God. But sometimes even we miss the best things for some good things. We'd rather listen to a good Christian song than to pray for a few moments. Spend time with the Lord. And it's, a, it's something we ought to really ask God to help us with. We ought to pray for his provision, his protection. We ought to praise his holy name. We ought to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. All powerful prayer is packed with praise. And you want to come before the Lord, keep talking about how good he is. And he'll just say, well, that ain't nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. He can do a lot more than that. But we ought to praise him and, and glorify him. And uh, we ought to pray. I want to talk just for a few minutes out of this passage of Scripture and give you a few thoughts. This is very quick. I, I think you'll be very proud of me, those of you who are tired. Stay awake just for a few moments, would you? Okay? I think it's going to help you tonight. It's going to encourage you. It's going to encourage, encourages me. And uh, we may talk more about this next Sunday, but I'm excited about this particular thing. But here we find in Matthew chapter 28, Brother Dan led us in reading. Look at verse number 16, would you please? The Bible says then, then the 11 disciples, how many disciples? Who's not there? Judas. But the 11 were there. They went away into Galilee. Jesus had told them. 
Meet me in Galilee. So they finally left Jerusalem and Judea, and they went up to Galilee where Jesus was, where he told them to meet, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. He told them, meet me here. And they, how many went up there? How many? Okay, so this is not the multitudes. This is not everyone who thought he might be the Messiah. This is his, his disciples, looks like to me. Okay, let's look at verse number 17. And when they saw him... They did what? But some did what? Oh, man. How many are here? Some did what? Some worshiped and some? My goodness. How do you think that made the Lord Jesus feel? Truth of the matter is, we got the same group in here. A few more than 11 of us in here, but we're in the same group. Some of us worship, some of us doubt. Some of us have faith, some of us have fear. He said, some of them worship, some of them, I don't know. I'm not sure. Look at the next verse. And Jesus responded to the doubt, and he came and spake unto them and said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And then would you read verse 19 with me? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He continues with his commission by telling them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. It's interesting, and this is something he reiterated other times in the Gospels. Matthew gives us this, and he says, look, if you'll get the Gospels to the ends of the earth, I'm going to be with you. One of the reasons I want you to be a soul winner, I want to be a soul winner, I want our church to be a soul winning church, is because it is reciprocated with God's presence. Had a lady tell me today, and it blessed my heart, she said, Pastor, I'm from a small church, I didn't think I would like it here, but I felt God's presence here. That's beautiful. Soul winning churches, soul winning Christians, do that, and Jesus said, if you do this, if you'll win and disciple and baptize and grow other Christians, I'm going to give you my presence upon your life and upon your church. In, Matthew, in Mark, he gives us his protection. In Luke, his plan. In John, he says he'll give us his peace. And in Acts, he's going to give us his power. But here in Matthew, he's given us his, uh, his presence. But he says, some of them, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not there. So he says, look, let me tell you what to do. And he knew what he was looking at. If providing all the disciples had two eyeballs, he was looking at 22 eyeballs. And some of them worshipped him, and others weren't so sure that he was worthy of worship. I don't know about you, I want to make sure I'm on the right side of that particular evaluation. I don't want to just, I, I want to worship him. I don't want to have to wonder if he's worthy of my faith, my commitment. I want you to have that same commitment. I hope you'll say, we sang this morning, who is on the Lord's side, or tonight? Who, who, let's draw a line here. Who's on the worship side? Who's on the doubting side? Who believes he's worthy of worship? Who believes he's not worthy of worship? I hope you're over here. He said, if you are, then Go. Go and teach all nations, baptizing the ones you win and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Some of us are nervous about the end of the world. 
God's not nervous. If he's not nervous, I shouldn't be nervous about it. I wanted to share with you a couple. And by the way, this is his last command. It should be our priority. I said this this morning. So many people and, uh, are, are picking churches based upon what they like. Well, I, 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 like I told you this morning, I had a man contact us and say, you know what, I really, I'm going to leave the church because I want, not, not this church, there's another church. I talked to him, he doesn't, he's not in this state, another state. He said, you know what, I want to find a church that has someone that I can gel with, that has a, my same situation. You know, that is such a, such a squirrely thinking. Because this man has made church about what is good for him. What he thinks he needs versus getting involved in the work of the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. If you bear one another's burdens, you'll fulfill the law of Christ, but also God's going to bear your burden. This does not excuse your pastor or anyone else from being unkind to any of us or not teaching us the, other, all, the whole counsel of God. But I will tell you something. There's something about a soul-winning church that helps us to see things outwardly rather than inwardly. That selfie generation that we have. Told you about the other, some months ago, I was standing in the airport, and this girl in front of me, she just kept doing her selfie. <laughs> you know, different things. And I thought to myself, oh, this is stupid. What is she doing? Then I realized I was in every one of her selfies, you know. <laughs> Said, man, what an idiot. Why am I standing there like... But, you know, we are all about that. We're all about selfies. What I feel, what I want, rather what God wants. And to the doubters and to the worshipers, he said, go. What are the blessings of a soul-winning church? What are the blessings of challenging people, Sunday school teachers, choir members, orchestra members, pastors, pastors' wives, Assistant pastors, deacons, what is the challenge? What are the blessings of being in a church that is trying to get the gospel to another person? I want to give you a couple of blessings to me, and then we'll come out quickly. Here, number one, it has unexplainable value to this community. Hammond, Indiana does not understand it. We'll see it in the eternity future. But one of the best things Hammond, Indiana's got going for it, the 78,000 people that live here with us, is this church. A soul-winning church blesses a community. And I don't care if it's 50. And God doesn't judge a church by its size. He judges a church by its sort and its Christ-likeness. A bigger church does not mean anything. It doesn't, he doesn't evaluate us by our size. Now, I think everything ought to grow. God wants us to grow, but he's not. I talked to a man this today from, North, uh, from West Virginia. He's in a rural community. He has 100 people, and he's doing an unbelievable job. God is using him greatly. Went to college here with us, and, and he's got a precious wife, and God is using him greatly, and he's got 100 people, and I believe that church is being blessed by God. God is very pleased with that, that body of believers. You don't judge a church by its size. You judge it by its Christ-likeness. But I will tell you this. Any place you find a soul-winning church, that community has unexplainable benefit because of that body of believers. Now, the world doesn't say that. The world thinks that ah, that church doesn't pay taxes. If they paid taxes, we ought to, we know, they, they would do this. We, our, current, our community, I heard that, that guy from Nebraska not too many years ago say, man, if, if, we, could, if we could rid ourselves in America of the plague of these right-wing Christians, we would have a great nation. That's how the world sees us, but it's the opposite is true. 
Blesses a nation whose? God is the Lord. And if God is our Lord, then we ought to be so conscious. A soul winning church has an unexplainable benefit to uh, this community. Number two, a soul winning church is where the ripest Christian best grows. I do believe it's in a soul winning church that, that, that real sincere Christians best grow and develop in the work of the Lord. And I, I, I submit to you, that's my suggestion. I think if people want to grow, they're going to grow best in a place where they're reaching people with the gospel of Christ. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. You know what you need to grow properly? Wisdom. You know what you need to do to face problems? You need wisdom. When people learn to get their, their, their heart on what God told them to do, I do believe it's where the most sincere Christian best grows. In a place where people are being saved and souls are being developed. I do believe that's it. Number three, I want to share this with you. It is where the deepest love for God's people develops. You know, when everybody's pulling the same way, I think many times churches get divided, and they're oftentimes divided by people who are just watching the world go by. But when everyone's pulling in the same way, oftentimes I've had people that have said, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. I want to go. And I appreciate people coming to tell me before they leave. But oftentimes I, I wonder if they're still giving to the Lord when they leave. I wonder if they're still participating in the Lord. I wonder if they're still winning people to Christ. You always have to watch out before you, before someone leaves. Uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not going to be judgmental of anybody. I'm just saying oftentimes before people, there, here's what I'm saying. There are no blowouts in the Christian life. There's just so leaks. Just slow little digressions. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Stop attending midweek. Stop attending Sunday night. Let go of this. Let go of that. Stop giving aggressively. And all of a sudden, meandering off. It's a process. But I will tell you this, my friend. I think when we learn to, when we learn to get involved with soul winning, I do believe it's where the deepest love for God's people develops. I love to hear what Brother Dan said. Someone said, to him, you've never been loved to you loved by First Baptist Church. I think part of that is because it's a soul winning church. Soul winners. Brother Rick Martin, our dear friend in the Philippines, he went to church here. 1976, he said, across the street, heard a dying man talk about going to the Philippines. He said, I can't go back. He pulled himself, Brother Bob Hughes pulled himself out of a hospital bed against medical advice. Got a suit of clothes on, flew from Fort Worth, Texas to, to Chicago, Illinois. They picked him up at the airport. They took him up, and he stood as a frail, cancer-ridden man holding on the pulpit, talked just for a few moments about his burden for the Philippines to get the gospel. And if people are going to go to hell from the Philippines, let them go to hell with a Bible in their hand. Could someone go for me? I'm not going to be able to go back. I've met his converts. He has got converts all over the world now that he led to Christ in the 60s and the 70s. Had one of his converts was a deacon in our church in Long Beach with a Manny Medulla, precious man, great soul winner. His wife, Tess, his brother, Jack, wonderful, led to Christ by Brother Bob Hughes. And Brother, brother uh, Rick looks over at his wife and said, Becky, I think God wants you to go to the Philippines. She says, I think so too. When they went to the Philippines, here's was their first goal. Not to build a church of hundreds or thousands, though they have that now. 
It's unbelievable. If you ever go to the Philippines, I hope you'll go there. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't believe it. The orchestra, hundreds, a hundred people probably, minimum. I don't think I'm exaggerating or in the orchestra. It's the whole platform. Instruments have been donated, and they learn how to play instruments. And Brother Martin stands over the clipboard and checks off all the people who come to orchestra. This is my main job at the church. I check off the orchestra members and makes fun of them the whole time. And uh, so he checks them off, but the, the hundreds of people come, thousands of people. People are baptized, saved. It's a beautiful place to go. You know, that he wasn't trying to build the great church. You know what he did? His first goal was to try to train 35 soul winners. That was his goal. He said, why would you want to train 35 soul winners? Because you know what he said? Soul winners will do anything. Soul winners will watch nursery. There are people who only watch nursery, but soul winners will watch nursery too. Soul winners will get their CDL license. Soul winners, they'll clean a building. Soul winners, they'll go to the nursing home. Soul winners, he said, soul winners will do anything in the house of God. If I can get someone to be a soul winner, they'll do anything. Soul winners will care for hurting people. They'll love them. They'll encourage them when they go through difficult times. Because soul winners will do anything in the work of God. That's his opinion, and I kind of agree with that. There are some people who will do other things and not be a soul winner, but if you find a soul winner, you're going to find someone who just, nothing's too low for them. They'll do anything God wants them to do. I'll leave you with that. Some of the blessings of a soul winning church is that it has unexplainable benefit to its community. God blesses a community where there's a soul winning church there. I think it's a place where the, the most sincere Christians can grow best. And it's a place where the deepest love for God's people develops. And one thing we want to do is have a love for God and a love for God's people.